I just left Houston, I just left Earth Lean in my car, gas in my blunt Got some hoes who gon' fuck I'm still pouring up, I can see in his face Design on my waist, now you all on her face That hoe give me faith, that hoe give me faith Damn, that hoe give me faith And now we're live on our audio Hey, cheers, cheers, cheers we haven't done a uh, live on-site location episode in a while, so we appreciate it. Right, I think that. the last one was Axel Red, huh? ESB for all my people in London, all my people around the world. <laughs> Little wicked awesome ESB live from Eureka Heights. Boom, How boom, it goes boom. down. Hey, what episode? Uh, I keep forgetting. It's it. episode 57. It's <laughs> the Johan Santana The Johan Santana episode. One of the slickest motherfuckers I've ever seen with a baseball. Had a dirty changeup. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, anyways, I'm Garrett. I'm Carlos. You're Garrett. As always, gentlemen. Well, one we haven't hung out in a couple weeks. Two, because we haven't hung out, we also haven't done a show like in a little yeah. while either. So a lot's changed here in Houston. Y'all aren't synced up yet. Yeah, we aren't really synced up. The whole ride here was kind of weird because he's hung over. You know, I'm not. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I am. There. See, hung over in the evening. Yeah, dude, it's been a tough day. <laughs> See, he he does. He's doing what I used to do, which is drink on a Wednesday whenever we do this podcast on Thursday and get. Just as fucked up, and so like they used to make fun of me, like, "Oh, what was you? You know, you're coming in on, you know, after drinking. It's not as easy as it sounds. It's hard being Carlos, isn't it, Garrett? <laughs> it, it's the one. Don't thing try to don't try to live like Carlos. Job to have. Carlos, is it hard being Carlos? <laughs> it is. It is hard being me. You make it look easy. I appreciate that. Back Any- in the day, you probably don't know this, but back way back in the day when I was turning, I turned 21 at Emos in Houston, like an old bar here that did all the best, like punk shows and stuff back yeah. in the 90s and it was like the coolest bar in the world and they had like every cool band you can name Jesus Lizard God Bullies you know Tar whoever all played there it was amazing but I, they never had shows on Wednesday night Wednesday night was like their frat boy night like oh, dollar shit. beer night and it was ten times more packed than like any other night and like the best band in the world Green Day would play there back then it wouldn't be as packed as it would be on a Wednesday night <laughs> and this is way before Green Day blew yeah. up but like Wednesday night was like the crunk ass night at Emo's in the Montrose when it was still the gay ghetto. Yeah. And it was uh the gay ghetto just it was the gay I ghetto. Never heard of that term. You didn't know that? <laughs> no, look, Montrose used to be the gay ghetto, now it's, it's the uh hetero paradise. It's the mattress. It's the mattress. I never thought of mattress store. Yeah, like a gay West Side story, that's what they'd call it. Just more fabulous. <laughs> Wednesday was a night like we'd go there just because the drinks were so cheap. Yeah. And it would be annoying because it would be like college frat boys and shit in there. We'd be like, this is emos, man. Right, you don't belong. But people would get tore up on a Wednesday night. And I still use that as like somebody who promotes events and does things. I know that um, people are like, I don't know, it has to be a weekend. I'm like, man, who are you trying to hit? Because hump day is a good night. Yeah. That's a night to drink. What? Uh Uh-oh, you got a little something on the thing here? Just the Wall Street Journal keeping me informed. This is the realest Southside podcast ever. The Wall Street Journal. (laughs) What was that one bar we used to go to uh, on Monday? They had like Dollar Wells. Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street out in Katy. Yeah. (laughs) We'd go there and it's kind of like you said, you know, everyone's there for one thing and one thing only. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me a hundred pennies. It doesn't even matter at this point. Never pretty. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Matt Sanzala. I would never in my entire life ever <laughs> sing karaoke. Um, never. Not even at one of 
those late night Korean spots that like, you have to enter through the back and they look like go through the kitchen. Okay. Well, like, <laughs> you, they literally pretty much just give you a room with like your yeah. private. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. You can privately embarrass yourself. Yeah, and I'm yeah. pretty sure they're open all day, but it's it only makes more sense like drunk at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. I'm not always drunk enough to do karaoke, but when I am, cold 45. Yeah. Go to and know, know all the words. Don't have to think too hard about it. You know. <laughs> I would probably sing. There's a light that never goes out. Oh. That was what I have to do. Okay. I, I, I ruined. There's a light that never goes out. Um. Does yeah. Morrissey have a good voice? I mean, how are you gonna ruin that? <laughs> I love Morrissey's voice. <laughs> no, I'm so. kidding. What, what about yours? Oh, without a doubt, uh, Benny and the Jets, like a mother. There we and go. Both uh, the Elton John version and the Bismarck key. Okay. I end up sounding a little bit more like Bismarck key. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all? Honest. Yeah, yeah. My my buddy TJ had like a hot streak of like only calling me when I was listening to Benny and the Jets. And then, like, by the third or fourth time he noticed, he was like, are you always listening to Elton John, or am I always calling at the right time? I go, kind of both, yeah, I think. I, you know, is there ever a wrong time? <laughs> what about yours, Garrett? Everyone else said theirs. Did you say yours? Yeah, Cold, uh, Cold 45. That's a song? By Afro Man? Uh, I'm going to get on this table. I don't know this song. Oh, you know this man. Song. You know this song. One Afro Man song. Which one? Because uh, I got high? Of course. You've yeah, never heard Cold 45? Oh man! Don't don't look into his last year. Like he got into some shit last year, but look into everything else. <laughs> uh, what else we got going on here? You're no, no, no! You can't just skip that though. What is your karaoke? Oh. oh, Big Pimpin'. Okay, there we go. I I wasn't there when you did Big Pimpin'. I actually heard of, I heard a Big Pimpin' story. You doing Big Pimpin' over at the uh, Baker Street? Yeah, Baker. <laughs> they added a verse to it. So, uh-oh. they had a verse. They was some verse I had never heard. Never heard Big Pimp in a lot. Uh-huh. It was Garrett. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Garrett was it was drunk. Yeah, the yeah. TV went I out. Left. I got off stage <laughs> and like two girls came up to try to help and I just left that. Yeah. Well, goddamn. Uh, like we said, you know, it's been a little while since we we uh, done a podcast. We've had Halloween. Uh, the Astros won the World Series or so. Shit, when I was in the bathroom just a little while ago, someone goes, go Strohs. I was like, you know, I don't usually like talking to people in the bathroom, but go Strohs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's huge. I grew up, I'm not from here originally, but my father moved here when I was eight. Yeah. And he lived on Holly Hall and Almeida for most of my life here, like three blocks from the Astrodome. Holly Hall runs into the uh, outfield of the Astrodome. And when I was a kid, to go to an Astros game in the outfield, kids' tickets in the outfield, a dollar. Yeah. Oh my god. Man, I went to, I mean, I grew up, like, and I was here in the summer with my dad, you know, like, I'd come here to visit him, and I mean, I love the Astros, and I love all the Texas sports. I would root for the Mavericks if I had to. I'd yeah. Root, I mean, I mean, it's I know we're in Houston, but I'm just saying, you know, like, a, a Texas team, I'm going to say, I'm going to get behind them. I'm always excited for the Rockets. I also like the Spurs. Uh, Spurs just play good basketball. You know, I mean, the Spurs are a great team, but... Uh, man, the Astros winning the World Series. Oh, my right? God. That's yes. That's big. <laughs> we got it before the Rangers. Man. Before the Padres, before the Rockies. I don't care about that. Yeah, I'm just, just saying. Just the Rangers. <laughs> uh, man, literally, I was sitting there watching the game, and it didn't sink in for, like, a good two days. Absolutely. Do you get that still like shine about you? Yeah. And you talk to other people like we did it. Like, we like can you it. Like, can you really There's fucking believe it? No more games to be played. <laughs> yeah, won. right. Yeah. <laughs> we just took the Yankees seven games, you know, and we 
went and took the Dodgers. Hell of a series, though. All those home runs that were hit, sure. that was fucking crazy. Do y'all think the balls Dodgers were juiced? Had a great time. I think everything about professional sports is rigged in some way, but I think the Astros actually won it fair and square. If the Dodgers would have won, I'd say rigged. Yeah. But uh, we beat the shit out of both the coast. How about that? True. Damn and they right. Try. They try. Those the major sports-affiliated uh, ventures try to bring it to the coast every time. Yeah. I think that's why. I definitely think that's why. I think some of the Yankees games were rigged because it went seven games and the Astros should have beat the shit out of them every time. And when they lost, it was so fucking stupid looking. It was like, man, come on, what are y'all doing? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is bullshit. Y'all yeah. are throwing this game because New York and L.A. are such huge media markets. There's so many eyes on those TV sets, unlike the rest of the entire country. Even though Houston's a huge city, it's not huge compared to what L.A. and New York are. Yeah. And the media... Not just the media, but the, uh, the fan bases around those two, the two biggest cities, the two most media-centric cities in yeah. the United States. Like, the audience for that is so huge. I feel like, I, I don't want to say that about the World Series games because I don't know. But when I was watching them Yankees games, I was like, man, this is some bullshit, man. Yeah. They, this should not have gone seven games. Yeah. That's, a, that's what I kept reminding people whenever they are like, I hate listening to Joe Bug. Well, or like all the commentators want the Yankees to win. They want the Dodgers to win. Like, it makes more sense for them. Yeah. There's more money to be made to root for the team that is in the two highest fucking populated areas yeah. in, the, uh, in the country. And that's I love that Joe Buck became a meme. Like, everybody just, like, all of a sudden, like, you are epitomizing what Matt just said. Like, yeah. this is big league rig, all this kind of crap, and you're the mouthpiece for it. Yeah. Uh, respect to Joe Buck. You're getting your paycheck and you're doing your thing. I'll tell but, him you said that. Yeah. No. We <laughs> know what you're doing. It was funny that I'll make sure yeah. he knows that you respect it. He was basically our Joel Osteen of the oh, World shit. Series. <laughs> yeah, man. Everybody hates Joe Budden. I I don't. <laughs> I think Joe Budden is hilarious. Joe Duck? Oh, I thought you said Joe Budden. No. Oh. <laughs> I thought Joe Budden was making crazy claims. Uh, Joe Buck. Yeah, fuck Joe Buck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> four out of four people at this table agree. <laughs> there we go. It took me a minute, but yeah, <laughs> I agree. But also at the same time, you know, as I was watching ESPN and all these other you know sports shows, they were really counting us out like in a big way like even when we won it wasn't about what we did right you know it was, you know the Dodgers closer said that he messed it up the Astros didn't do it he, he did it all that other good stuff and it, it just kept going all the way to game seven and they were like they were sure now game seven's in LA LA's got it yeah boy <laughs> I love the fact also that after we won it, we did our parade, we got busy, everybody's excited. Yes. And then everybody looked each other in the eye and said, damn, I'm tired. Like, <laughs> as if we were on the field, like the city was oh, like, yeah. just because Houston, you know how they do it, it's never like that clear, decisive victory. It's like, struggle. Girl, yeah. Girl, we're going to make you feel there, everything. Like, yeah, but you're like, damn, dude, I'm tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I worked the Friday of the parade. And so I left, and I was like, that was the hardest shift ever, but it's over. Yeah, it's all over. Worth it, and worth it. It was, yeah, very worth it, but it was just like, it kept coming. Like, it kept happening. Like, there was, you'd show up to work, and you're like, oh, there's another World Series game. Oh, fuck, there's another World Series game. And, And so then it just, it became overwhelming where you're like, Everybody was out doing shit for every game. I had a lot of people also saying, like, I wish they did the parade on a Saturday. No fucking way you could do that parade on a Saturday. There would be two million people there. Like, 
on a, on a weekend, they, they'd get rid of the mayor. Like that was the dumbest thing you could have possibly done. I wish I, I, I took I took that Friday like that like that as a shift at work before I like we had won the World Series. Hadn't really thought about it, and then they scheduled it for Friday. I was like, I gotta get out of this shift somehow. <laughs> Couldn't figure it out. I, I ran out of bullshit excuses for missing work for baseball games. <laughs> uh, we, right. We also lost our quarterback, Deshaun Watson. He tripped. Don't know what else. They say he might have heard it in the Seahawks game, the one that we almost won. Uh, I don't know how well we're going to do without him. Nah. Tom Savage couldn't get past the 50-yard line, you know, for most of that game. Uh, we're hiring. We lost to the Colts. We lost to the Colts. Give or take, Jacoby Brissett threw some nice-ass passes, a couple. But uh, I think that we're moving in a good direction for in the future now. We have our quarterback. This is one of the first seasons in Texans history where we're not going into the, you know, the postseason wondering who's going to be throwing us the, uh, the ball for us, you know? We're not going into the postseason. I mean, like, after. Uh, yeah. yeah. We might, man. You know, this, this division is for the taking. Everyone in this division that we are in is not doing too hot. We'll see. Andrew Luck might not play again ever. That's crazy. Really That's crazy. He might not play again ever. They're saying it's like they don't know if it's a mental thing and, like, his, his injury, but they're saying he might not play. Is his wing? Uh, uh, yeah, his shoulder. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Shoulder is neck wing. or something. Okay. Shoulder wing. Or his back. You said what? Is it his back? Nah, he said neck. No. Nah. His neck, his back, yeah. his, his pussy, and his crack. <laughs> well, the last time we had on Eureka Heights, one, y'all weren't the big cheese around here. Y'all don't have the best cream ale. But now y'all have been announced uh, the winner. You make an argument they did always have the best cream ale and it just took time to that's what everyone in the city was telling us. Yes, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it is cool. It's, it's pretty cool validation that you guys were there first and knew it uh, ahead of uh, folks in Denver and everybody <laughs> or across the country. So, yeah, it was a really cool victory or, you know, win or whatever. And kudos straight up to our brewer, Casey Boats, for making that happen and the team around him. So we're super stoked about that. Since we're on the World Series kind of talk, it was pretty fun. We, um, we bet a L.A. brewery. Nice. Our buckle winning, uh, gold winning metal uh, beer against their silver Kolsch beer. And uh, looks like we got a, two cases full of their Kolsch. So, <laughs> I'm about to try one of those. Yeah. Right over there. What are y'all doing with it? Uh, we're basically kind of giving it out. We're just, it's, it's actually the sign is what they sent to us like, dear Eureka Heights, here's your victory. We're fine. No, really, we're fine. Mm. Uh, <laughs> go Dodgers, Houston Strong. Real classy. It's three weavers brewing out of uh, L.A. Real, real classy uh, group of people there. So we're going to send them some uh, Uncle Bunny, you know, to help cure their Astros. There tears. you go. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Take that sting out a little bit. I feel that. <laughs> so, so were you there when, when they won the, the medal? No. Uh, funny, we were not. We were all here in Houston. Not a single one of us went to Denver. Oh, shit. Sure. GABF. Uh, we're working, man. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I would love to go to Denver. You know what's crazy though? Yeah. I went, um, I have a friend who is a brewmaster at the Erie Brewing Company, my hometown is Erie, Pennsylvania, and they have, they took, they were, back in the day, took over an old train station and, like, one of the first, like, you know, independent breweries up there. And uh, I went, I went to actually speak to some students at University of Montana and I had to change planes in Denver. And I was walking, it was like two years ago, that same event thing, to the same, like, the yeah. big Denver event, yeah. like, beer event. I was walking down and I saw my homeboy from a little ass town in an airport in Denver and he was so stoked. He was like, we won something in the place. And I was like, damn, really? I 
it's amazing. And it is a big deal. It's That's a, a big great deal. honor. Yeah, I know. So I looked into it after I saw it. I was looking up his, you know, I was like, what did they win? And I was like, damn, that's huge. Yeah. That's really good. And I will tell that the Buckle Bunny is great. I don't think enough people even try to make a cream ale. Like, yeah. cream ale is a nice flavor. It's a uh, high prefer. I don't want like a light light beer, but I do. You know, it's Texas. It's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I need something to get through the day. Yeah. And that was one of those things also, like when we were emailing uh, and you were like, I love pre-mails. I was like, finally, a guest that like is walking into the show knowing what he's getting into. Because a lot of times we have someone, like, everyone like, so we're, like we're drinking Budweiser or something. Like, I don't usually like beer. That's what we hear a lot. <laughs> Maybe even worse though, because I'm from, like I said, Erie, Pennsylvania. Like Genesee dominates yeah. that region from, from Rochester. Yeah, it's from Rochester, New York. Jenny Cream Ale for like a can of cheap beer. It's right. not terrible. I've man. actually never had that. We've all, I've, some people have said, oh, have you had this? I'm like, no, like, I don't what know where it? to get it. Uh, you don't see it. It's, it's around sometimes in Texas. I've seen it at Kroger before, but almost never. Yeah. What, what is, is it? Genesee Cream Ale. Like, Genesee is a big, they're not like Budweiser, but they're big regionally. Yeah. Upstate New York and that whole area. You know, if your mom drinks cheap beer, like my mom drank Tennessee for years, now she's more of a bass. <laughs> there you go. Tennessee uh, was, you know, the regular Tennessee, not the cream ale. Like, they're yeah. kind of regular cheap one, but Tennessee's uh, big up in that region. And yeah. it's not a micro brew. I like can't a, get my mom off of Michelob Ultra, no matter how hard I try. <laughs> Moms just love Michelob Ultra. It says it on the box. Yeah. <laughs> Your mom will love. Everybody does love moms, but so how does this connection? How does the Eureka Heights Matt connection? This is a fun one. Come about. social networking and all that like a community of like like-minded people who were into like i mean this houston rap thing i want to talk about this if you guys want to talk about houston rap and oh, some yeah. other stuff every day like, i want to talk about how much things have changed in like the last 10 years dude everybody wasn't into this shit back in the day man. yeah like it was a it was a tight-knit community now if you went to south park you know the south park community was into that stuff or they were into like you know houston what the cool thing about houston was like the houston sound was a big deal to houston people forever yeah. and that's why it was able to blow up because it had such a strong home base appeal man there weren't a lot of like white kids and there were there were definitely white kids into screw and definitely yeah. people but it wasn't like it is today man where like like it's like soccer moms are Tim and screw and shit like for real like so back yeah. in the day like Brent and myself and like different people you know into like not just southern rap but like a mixture of that punk rock dance music that was like not just commercial dance you would hear on the radio but yeah. like, like hard ass electronic music like EDM wasn't a term 15 years ago you know what I mean like electronic dance music is what it is but like there was all the you know we were into like little subgenres of weird independent music yeah. yeah and we connected like in, in the early days of the internet and we were talking about this before like Holotronics Diplo and Low Budget had a website their message board was like a, a community of like the hands down the best DJs it was a yeah. music mecca no I'm talking about A-Track and Cosmo Baker and Diplo and all of us were on there man yeah. like, like the best DJs that I can name were on there I'm not one of the best DJs I can name, I'm saying. Me either. Like, We're just music. Like, we like, like, but also a bunch yeah. of music aficionados and stuff. Like, people who really like that sort of thing, and we all kind of crossed over into, like, we love hip-hop. We love, like, I don't love, you know, I love a lot of techno, but, like, the stuff that you would hear on a mainstream level of dance music or electronic yeah. music, I'm not into that shit, but there's, a, there's an underground in everything. And, like, man, 
yeah, this community of just like when we started, when when I met Diplo and when we we started seeing like, and I'm name dropping of course, but like when this starts, when we started getting on that message board, man, half that fucking hollerboard is from Texas. What's that? Half that hollerboard is from Texas. At yeah. one point, man, like yeah. all of us jumped on it. We had a real community down here. He recognized that. Like, yeah. You know, he was stoked about it. He wanted to know more about Paul and Mike and Slim and mm-hmm. Chingo and you know, like. Me and Brent just kind of met through this mutual admiration for this music. Yeah. Not knowing each other in real life, by the way. So yeah. first, first, I met yeah. him in face-to-face, I don't even know how long, like pretty, I don't know, it's been a while, but we knew each other on the I internet mean, we boards. we met back then at, show, at events, yeah, shows so, and like, stuff, yeah. But it was just more of like two like-minded people who, yeah. who are down and somehow find their way on a message board that is full of New York kids, Baltimore, yeah. Texas, all this kind of stuff. Alaska. Yeah. Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, So ever since then, just respecting the game. Like, I mean, the guy's a promoter, the guy's been in the Houston scene for so long, uh, as a part of everything that, that I like and look up to. So it's like, yeah. I need to know this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Sure enough. Brent, are you, oh my bad, are you attached to a different internet than we are? Oh, uh, dark web. Okay. Dark web. Dark web and even darker. Yeah. Your Instagram posts, I'm just like, uh, I, I don't even know how I would scroll past this yeah. unless you posted it. Yeah. So sorry. I, I usually tend to like them. I, <laughs> I see yeah. it, I'm like, you know, I don't even know what to, what to think of this. I, I didn't expect to see this. Yeah. I like it. I think of it as no filter. Like there just let that left brain, right brain go. But yeah, yeah. that's funny. <laughs> sucks you know social media is horrible it's great when there's a, a disaster and you can mobilize people and things like that yeah. so I can't say social of media is totally horrible thoughts of prayers but and you can connect people and this sort of thing but on a day-to-day basis like every motherfucker in the world is not a writer right everyone is not a dj everyone's not a you know i hate the word tastemaker or whatever but it's true man. Yeah. Like, yeah but they all can act the part on social media and they all and i like I'm, i come from kpft which is a community radio station here in houston and we always would say you know it's important for you to be the media come down here and be a part of this man everybody doesn't need to be reporting the news man like yeah and so when we were like on this very like there's a good amount of people on this message board in this community we're pretty concentrated into like something we knew when we went there what we were going to get like, yeah we knew that we could fly, go there to find like this kind of music we didn't have like a bunch of noise just slamming us in the face constantly True. so it was totally like a different internet i used to do a website or blog called houston so real yeah and i only did it because and what's funny is we're here talking about this and one of my favorite blogs back then was called beer and rap <laughs> shout out to my brother serge <laughs> yep. but uh I did it because I, I had to. Like, there was no one writing about Houston. I was, like, fighting with XXL. I got with Murder Dog, because it made it a lot easier. Like, Murder Dog's a magazine that did cover the South. And I wrote about a lot of stuff there, but I would be, I would be cussing out the editors of the source. Editors of XXL. Yeah. Getting, like, vibe people, people that vibe would not want to talk to me, because I'd be like, man, fuck y'all with your fucking business, you know? Literally. I had an editor at XXL tell me, then the Dirty Money album came out from UGK. Like, that's late. That's their second to last album. He's like, no one, I was trying to do a big feature on UGK. He's like, no one cares about UGK. I was yeah. like, everybody down here does. And they're on every album you have. Yeah. Literally at that time, they had featured, they featured on every rap album of yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, every single one of them. 
so like, you know, I was always fighting for this music, and when the blog stuff started happening, yeah. I remember seeing, I always say this, I don't remember what a blog, what, which one it was, and nobody remembers, but I remember there was a blog out of Canada that wrote a little thing about Paul Long Millionaire, and I was like, alright, I gotta do it. Yeah. I'm yeah. here, man, I'm gonna shoot the pictures, I'm gonna write the little stories, I was never like posting... Like, then it became like you pay the blog to post the mixtapes and shit. Yeah. But I was before that shit. Yeah. And my Houston So Real and Honesty was really me. It was like where I was going and this. I was covering what was going on here. Were you a fit? Is it still online? No, because. Yeah. That's I a treasure to, trove of photos. I had all the photos, but I would have had to pay my server for however many. I don't know. That got yeah. expensive, okay. man. Like, having six million photos up there. I'm sorry to wreck your train of thought. You were going, but I was just like, oh man, I want to like revisit. No, it's really stupid that it's not. Um, but but keep going back then it was like, you know, I was like, Houston really needs. Houston doesn't. Have, we're not a media center like LA, yeah. New York, or whatever. Chicago, even like, there's a reason why. Dude, I'm working with the Hip Hop Evolution documentary. It's on Netflix now. Yeah. Amazing series. They're always like, hey man. Listen, we're, we're see, see if you can get some photos from like the Rhinestone Wrangler days, which Rhinestone Wranglers were like the, the venue that was like the beginnings of Houston hip hop. Yeah. I'm like, man, people weren't taking their camera to that shit. So like, <laughs> someone in Houston has some pictures, probably some badass pictures somewhere, but I was like, that's our problem, man. A lot of our earliest stuff wasn't documented. Rapalot's my favorite label, especially musically. Go pick up a fucking Rapalot album and open up the CD or the tape or whatever. There's they barely li- they list the songs. You don't know who produced it. The notes. There's no liner notes. <laughs> yeah. There's no nothing like we didn't document anything back then, man. So when it was starting to happen in the, in the early, you know, because this is like the second, you know, the early surge was the Ghetto Boys and all that. But that surge where the screwed up click and especially the Swisher House really blew up. I was like, I have to. I have the outlets. I fuck with Double XL, Murder the Source. I got back on KBFT. Because yeah. I was on KBFT in the, like 92 to 94. And then what I was, was your show called there? Dropping Bombs, Strictly Hip Hop on Sunday nights. Me and Rad Richard. Hey. And then <laughs> Cypher. GT from the box, that horrible station that started out there. Uh, We're actually doing an interview there after this. With who? Uh, KPFT. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Patty's Radio, I think it's oh, called, right? Good. Yeah, yeah. KPFT is a blessing in this city, man. I mean, for better or for worse, they always have fucking issues and drive me crazy. But I mean, it's still a community of human beings playing music and and and, and, and giving information yeah. from a very human perspective, very community perspective. It is. It's a lot of cities don't have a station like KPFT. Yeah. So I was like, man, I've got the resources. This is what I do. And I mean, it was it was an incredible time for Houston, man. Incredible. Did you just have like guests come through and just give a mic, or is it just like more interview? Oh, man. Or? We interviewed. That was the thing. We interviewed pretty much everyone that came through on damage control. It still exists. It's on 11 to 2 every Wednesday night on KPFT. It's a lot different now. Yeah. yeah. Chill. We need <laughs> to fix that, maybe. But, uh, but no, the whole thing was anyone. We had an open door policy. We'd have 150 people in that studio on a Wednesday night. We never had anything ever bad happen. Yeah. Like rappers. I'm talking people. about 150 rappers. Yeah. And rap, you know, business, wannabe business people and weirdos who respected the shit out of the fact that we had that outlet, man. Like, yeah. I'm talking about we never had a fight. We never had anything stolen. We never had anything broken. That's really major. No. Anybody else has people up there at 3 in the morning? Yeah. Two or three people up there at 
3 in the morning, they're gonna steal a phone or something. Like it happens. Like we never had a fucking phone. And phones were huge back then, so it took actually two people to steal one phone. It was crazy. But we did have an open door policy, and you could be nobody. Yeah. Half the people that came in there with CDRs, they didn't write the name on it. And I'd be like, you need to write your name on this. Oh, wow. But I mean, Paul Wall, Devin, Chameleonaire, Bud B, everyone you can name came through. Yeah. And it was that was the outlet, man. And on down, Kanika and people that you never heard of. Yeah. And maybe somebody heard of them because of that show. But the whole point was it was called Damage Control because I feel like so much of this media has damaged our culture, man. Like, I'm sorry, but I guess who was in that shitty fucking station in the box, that horrible devil-run station in the box? I did promotions there. Me and DJ Chill were in the box posse in the first yeah. two years of the box. This is 92-ish when they started. Yeah. Like, the first two years, I was actually in, working in an accounting office in 6420 Richmond in that building. And I looked, and I was in the box had just started. They came out hard. They came out swinging on Magic 102. And I looked up, I was on like the third floor, and I looked up on the fifth floor and saw the KBXX logo, and I was like, the box is in this building? <laughs> I literally went upstairs and was like, hey man, if you need to enter, I was in, you know, sort of. I was after high school, but yeah. I didn't really go to real college. I went to like an audio video production course, but I was like, um, Y'all need somebody, an intern, like, we need promotions people, so I was like, I'll do whatever. I drove that van to every hood, every yeah. suburb, every Galveston, every everything. In Huntsville, I was out there for the first two years. Chill was one of them. And, uh, man, they won because they played Houston. They came in, they were playing those rap albums. You would hear the convicts. You would hear the ghetto boys. You probably hear, I don't know, they probably didn't go too deep into the terrorist repertoire or against yeah. the hips repertoire. Oh, wow. But I mean, like, they played, I mean, UGK, Tell Me Something Good was on there, like, Trash It or Smash It or whatever you called it back then. Like, Tell Me Something Good, they brought down on, like, a tape, basically, so, you know, like, and they killed it for, like, weeks. That's how they got their deal. Like, That's the amazing. Box became the force that they are because they supported the shit out of Houston early on. And they still played New Jack Swing type music. They still played R&B. Yeah. You still hear I'll Be Sure. You still hear, you know, whatever back then. But they made what they made back then by supporting Houston. And it's that's the most beautiful thing about this city that has kind of almost died. It's, there's still a lot of Houston pride. Yeah. But, man, you, you have no idea how old you guys are. But if you weren't there, there's no way you can even imagine what a music community was like yeah. back then of people, the people, Jay-Z, well, no way would go see no Jay-Z. We could pick, we don't have to fucking saw like, Farrell Monts and M.O.P. with a live band, 50 people, maybe. Yeah. Like, that sort of shit back in those days. I organized confusion before them come here and be like, no, nobody gave a shit about that. It was H-Town. Yeah. And that's how they got It's over. the complete opposite and so now. damage control, we're like, man, Houston was built on Houston supporting Houston. Uh -huh. yeah. Straight up, and they, everybody turned their fucking back on it. I always say, like, the Diddy era, the late 90s, and what's funny is if you watch the Stretch and Bobbito documentary, they talk about how they started tapering off around 96, 97 because of the way things were going in hip-hop. Like, that's the Diddy era. That's the Puff Daddy era. When the radio Brother was, Love. Well, the radio was 100%. <laughs> before that, if you went to Memphis... You just turned on their black radio station, you felt like you were listening to some Memphis shit. Yeah. And you hear commercial stuff too. Houston, same thing. LA, you got 
to LA and you'd be like, you're in your shit with LA. You know, you go to Hot Night or whatever the state, WBLS in New York. Oh, fucking DJ Premier was DJing on there. Yeah. Alert, people like this, you know, like, they were playing some shit. How the fuck, back when I was a kid, did like four righteous teachers, 5% knowledge, black power to the nth degree, like extreme black power yeah. music. Yeah. Made hits. Man, you make a song like that now, the box will throw you down the elevator shaft. <laughs> They'll ban you with Trey. Man, and Trey, the only, look, Bun B, I will state for the record, Bun B is the greatest human being in rap. That is a very good human being. I love Bun B. That's the man. He is an activist. He does all kinds of things, incredible things. He helps everyone. Yeah. But when it comes to, like, someone, like, Trey is the only real, genuine, like, street activist. Like, the guy who really is the advocate for real things and history for yeah. real people. Yeah. That dude is not a joke. That dude does actually try. Yeah. That dude puts his money where his mouth is. He goes out and does it for real. He's been doing it. I met him when he was 19. He's always had that vision. His brother's in prison for life. He's been through so much shit, man. And all this. And then he calls this bitch out. And I'm sorry. I don't want to. Actually, I don't want to call her a bitch because she didn't ban him. He calls out a woman who basically said. Of course people shot up his event. Look, man, events in Houston are getting shot up from before rap. Yeah. For real. And back in the early 90s, going to the Palladium and the Boomerang on the south side, every night got shot up. Yeah. For real. Not every, a lot. I went, it happened I was there, man. And like, so, to say that was some bullshit, he responded to her in a rap. That's hip-hop. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he lyrically responded to her. And he got banned. About when did <laughs> about when did they start bullshit? I'm trying like to figure I said, that one like out. Mid, like towards the end of the 90s, like yeah. 96, 97, 98, when radio became this more of a conglomerate. It became yeah. like all these stations are owned by the same people. Man. Yeah. This lady who banned Trey here, people talking about he's banned on the box. That woman programs stations around all over the place. Yeah. Like this is Radio One. Bullshit. Yeah. You can't. If I wanted to do a concert. Bundy, Paul Wall, Jay-Z, and uh, uh, Beyonce with Trey on there, if I want to do a commercial on their station, which is the best, you know, good way to reach the average yeah. mainstream idiot, I couldn't mention, uh, I, if I mentioned Trey, I couldn't even pay to put that commercial on yeah, there. Yeah, they'd yeah. rip it and take it out. Yeah. And it's still happening, man. Yeah. And I'm talking about H-Town, man. H-Town is H-Town because of people like Trey, because of his fan base, because of the people that built this city. Yeah. So, so you've been in Houston for a while now. So, you, like you said, you've seen the the how the crowd once was and how now it's evolved. You know, it's, it, it's, it's I wouldn't say it, it's like better, different. It's just different. You know, the Houston rappers aren't rapping how like they used to rap. You know, the, the sound has evolved. What do you think that those guys have to do to like get themselves to that next level where people are like, you know, 
when you think of Houston, you think of, you know, this guy, this guy, and now this new cat. I think it's dead, honestly, to a certain extent, as far as just, like, making it in one city. Like, even New York is like, if you don't hit the road, it is what it is, man. The whole game is touring, and that's one yeah. of the things that held back Houston, too, is, like I said, uh, Rapalot's my favorite label, and in the early days, the Ghetto Boys got on, like, certain tours and stuff, and uh, they definitely did their share on the road, but none of those, none of the Houston rappers yeah. really... Like, you know, like, like, like think of a tip, like, a, uh, now Travis Scott, okay, he's Houston. Um, Macklemore, bad example, whatever. Like, these guys who are, like, out there on a tour, 50 dates in a row. Yeah. Live Nation, Clear Chandler, whatever it is behind them, or whatever. Like, the agency group, or the the big agencies, you know, putting these guys out. Yeah. Do none of that shit, man. Like, Houston historically didn't have to. Like, they could do the, like, I the Chitlin Circuit's kind of a fucked up term. Uh-huh. But, like, it's the same as it was back when the blues players were playing small-ass towns all throughout the South. Nice. Making their money. Yeah. That's what UGK did. Yeah. That's what, UGK didn't do no New York shows and shit until, I don't even know what UGK did in New York in their whole history as far as performances. I know what Bundy did, but as a group, I don't know. Yeah. Like, early on, they weren't doing that shit. Maybe they did some in New Music Seminar or something, but, like, fuck no, man. Like, yeah. We never had that. We never had, like... <laughs> doing that type of music business, we were, you know, Rapalot was like the teachers of a lot of this shit, and they were independent to the core, they worked their region, and then with the Ghetto Boys, all the controversy they had, when the Geffen refused to distribute their album and all that, that's what really catapulted it and made people go, oh, there's something going on in Houston, because it was a story, it was interesting, yeah. because the Ghetto Boys were a straight up band from a major company, they were about to like make it, Rick Rubin signed them, they yeah. just did rap, Rick Rubin, and everyone Yeah. So yeah. they were just like, oh my god, the ghetto boys like busted in through this big door into a whole new world of people, but none of them really followed it up. Ghetto boys never performed in Europe. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. They never probably, I don't think they, before, they were before 9-11, maybe they performed in Canada. I don't think so. <laughs> stayed, stayed in the wow. continent. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, yeah. like, it might have, like, like, you need, need a passport to go to Canada back in the day. They did a Canada show, like, so that right now, like, what has to happen is, they do, like, Maxim Cream's a good example, he's not, like, huge yet, but he's talented, things are happening with him, he stays out there, you see that he does a thing in LA or something, he does a thing in New York, they'll be in another city, um, all these guys, like, you have to, you can't be home, man, you can't be home, back in the day, you could be home. Yeah. Back in the day, you could be right here in Houston and make money. Like, Southwest Wholesale was a distributor, and that's the thing, the retail game has changed a lot. So you're not just selling CDs out of these malls and mom and pops. Yeah. But it's still the same game, man. It's still the same. you got to get out there, and, okay, you're not going and selling, going to these cities to sell to these stores. You might not have a show at the, like, warehouse live of the city you're going to. Yeah. you got to stay on the road. you got to be in people's face because the internet you got to be active. Internet's cool, but 90% of the stories you hear about Odd Future and all these people who blew up from the internet, they're fucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> they had teams, they had people behind them. It was not just like they put some shit on Tumblr and the whole world went nuts for them. That's yeah. not what fucking happened. Exactly. Yeah. You do still have to go touch the people. You do still have to do it. So Houston needs to branch out a lot more. Like, when, you know, 
these guys, the, the guys that we idolize, were, they got rich in fucking Tyler. They got rich in Longview, Texas. They went to, they dominated Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Hands down. They came to Austin, San Antonio, Corpus Christi, uh, certain places in the valley, maybe McAllen. Shreveport, Louisiana. Yeah. Those motherfuckers weren't hitting in New Orleans. Yeah. Some of them, maybe. But it stopped it. It, it tapered off at Lake Charles and went into Baton Rouge and Lafayette. Yeah. Lafayette had tapered off. I mean, I got into Baton Rouge a bit. It was Houston Rap. There were certainly Houston Rap fans in New Orleans. There were people who did stuff there. But, like, that whole that circle, if you look at the region of where those guys, like, really were hitting. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't go west of Austin to San Antonio, and it kind of maybe went up into Oklahoma, down into Shreveport. That was it. And then as it as it progressed, it blossomed more and more. But when we're talking about like when the screw them click, early, you know, some of the rapping that dudes outside of like Ghetto Boys who had like a big national thing. Man, that was like work in this region. None of these motherfuckers out here have done a show in Tyler. Yeah. I, I could be wrong. Don't get me wrong. I could be totally wrong. Somebody <laughs> might have. But these young dudes, they ain't going to Tyler. Yeah. Those kids in Tyler have nothing to do. Yeah. No. <laughs> They'll be there, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I think. I mean, that's a good point, though. Yeah. Because like, a lot of people I see, like especially the younger dudes, they keep performing at these really small like bars or these small venues in Houston already. Some of these places I don't even know fucking existed. You go to the shows and you see the same ten people, and so it's like you've got them. Yeah, they're your fans now. That's good. That's a scene. That's a scene. but but you should go more places. Like Haley's saying, go perform that small ass town. Go just spread out. Yeah. Small ass town, small ass show. Like to me, it doesn't matter. Like whenever I I help out my buddy, you know, he's a he's an up and coming rapper. got him a couple of things and he was like you know people come up to me afterwards you know he's like that's the only thing that's making this worth it because to him he doesn't know if he wants to like really pursue it you know or if this is just what he likes to do yeah. so he says like that's, that's what validates him is to keep him going you know people coming up to him like yo you just killed that you know those bars or whatever yeah. as a person who's never done any of what you're mentioning yeah uh, i have to imagine it's fun i mean it's like your hobby your lifestyle your pursuit i hope your heart's in it and if there's a small show I don't know, I like the Matt, like the punk rock guys. So it's like, you got a small show? Fuck it, I'm gonna go even harder. I'm gonna like melt the face off these yeah. five people. Yeah, that's my personal opinion. I don't know if it works that way. But I'm just hoping it's for love, you know? No, it's real, but what's a small show in Tyler if you're fucking performing at Dean's? Oh, yeah. In Houston. Yeah. I love Dean's, you know what I'm saying? No, but what, 150 people here? Yeah. The green room of Warehouse Live or whatever? Like, get your ass out there. Yeah. And even if you don't have a show, even worse, I live in Austin right now. I tell these Austin guys who barely go to San Antonio an hour away, I'm like, if you're rapping anywhere in this region, but if you're rapping in Austin and you don't go to Houston like every two weeks, yeah, once a month minimum, you're not doing anything at all. Yeah, yeah. You're two and a half hours away from Mecca. Southern rap for what's going down around here, Texas and shit, you're two and a half hours away from money. Yeah money in this city. Now, what's like a quick generalization of uh, Austin rap versus Houston rap, just based on what you see? Honestly, the Austin rappers are better performers. Yeah. They have more opportunities to perform, and there's more of a crucial sort of, um, I don't know, like a, a, a judgmental audience or whatever. Like, you can perform seven, you can perform ten nights a week in yeah. Austin if you really want to. 
and that gets real old and that hurts them. Um, Do people show that like each not, night? No, fuck no. But okay. the Austin, there's some credible shit in Austin right now, and there always has been. But again, they don't get out enough, man. Just like here, like if you're not getting out and kind of touring, at least in your region, like yeah. you can make little circles on a piece of paper and be like, this small circle is your city. This circle a little bit bigger is your surrounding. This small circle is a little bit bigger is your region. This next one is your state. This next one is the surrounding states. This yeah. next one is the United States. This next one is the world. Like that's oh, so your, supposed to the progression. That's how you do it. Yeah. But they don't. I really like a guy called Tita in Austin right now. I like Dre Prince. Man, Chiquita B is the shit. She's amazing. Uh, Magna Carta. Magna Carta is a group with a live band. Uh, a dude does the beats and plays keys. And uh, Chris and makes um, raps. She's amazing. And they have a band behind them. They've toured all up and down the West Coast, East Coast. I believe they've actually even gone to Canada. Yeah. And uh, they're a killer. Um, Riders Against the Storm and Minds of a Different Kind just did some stuff over in Europe. Yeah. Uh, there's things happening, but like honestly, no one is just doing that whole like just. I, I tell people all the time, like, don't be home. Your, your yeah. job is to your yeah. your office is the road. San Antonio right now has the best rap scene in Texas. Right. Music wise, why is that? You'd be shocked. But Bands Worth Belly, Amia, Worldwide, Hoodlum, Third Roots. Maybe the Prophet, like these are all like real rapping ass people. Like, yeah. Like, rap that make them. Mia's incredible. She's like soulful. She's like the Lauren Hill of our generation. That needs to be in front of everyone. She's beautiful, man. Incredibly beautiful music. I love her. So uh, Matt used to uh, or still books South by Southwest. Fuck no. Okay, fuck no, he doesn't. He used to, so he used to book South by Southwest, which I think we should delve into a little bit if that's cool with y'all. But oh, yeah. uh, knowing <laughs> those kind of roots and stuff and knowing what he just said about Austin, Houston, and San Antonio, a little showcase could be pretty cool. Like a little traveling showcase oh, yeah. demonstrating the different uh, region bands and stuff or different city bands. Yeah. And then uh, put it to the people maybe, like who's got it more live? I don't know. I just gave you a job. Yeah. Um, from here in Houston, Dome Man, of course. Um, but there's not enough crossover. It's just like, motherfuckers, you're three, four hours of maximum away from each other. Yeah. You know, DJ Dust in uh, Corpus Christi, he's on Universal Latino. That dude is huge. It's not huge like Pitbull, but in our world, like, he's doing crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. Why are we not all connected? Fuck Houston, honestly. I love Houston. That's my city. It's always will be my home base, whether I live here or not. But, like, City, when, it, when you're trying to like make it as a career, as a yeah. musician, fuck any city. Fuck Austin. What the fuck are you going to do in San Antonio? Yeah. Nothing whatsoever. At all. You have no hope. You have no hope of making it if you're a rapper in San Antonio and be the best rapper ever. But you don't go anywhere. Like, you have yeah. to go. And I try to tell that to, I talk to a lot of artists all the time. And that's the whole point. It's just like, man, 
I come up in punk rock, you know what I mean? I didn't go to college because I spent my college years in a shitty van that broke down on the side of the road, making 250 to 200 bucks if we were lucky, yeah. and getting on to the next city when gas was cheaper. You know, and like, we were just doing that, and that was my education of just really grinding it out and doing it. You, As a rapper, you don't even need equipment. Motherfuckers don't even take their turntables. Yeah. I learned that one when we did a show the uh, when we did that show for Harvey uh, in September. Uh, I had DJs hitting me up and they're like, "Hey, what what equipment is so and so using? Uh, you know, this, this, and that." All right, cool. I'm gonna talk to him. I'm probably gonna use that. <laughs> that's so whack. That's, that's why I don't do a lot of this shit anymore because it's so disappointing and annoying. It's like I wouldn't if I was a rapper. So just to see him do ad libs. Yeah, just hop around to the track, uh, which I hate. I think that's the worst thing ever to happen in music. But um, the, uh, these guys are over there, and they just be like, they don't have it. Like some of these motherfuckers will have their like state road manager. Like I'm Devin's road manager, and I'm not a real DJ. I DJ for him. But I'm not sitting there looking at my phone the whole time. Yeah. Like, you've seen a million rappers here with a motherfucker's fat ass dude standing behind his pseudo turntables, texting people and shit. Yeah. yeah. It's so corny, and it's not even, and the dudes are barely rapping, there's a hit. Oh. Some people can't can't keep up with their own songs either. That is one of my biggest pet peeves, is when you play a song and it has the lyrics behind it, so you just rely on that. Like, you, you just kind of come in for a little bit, and then you don't. Like, you just let your song play, pretty much. You just stand on a stage, like, you might as well just put the mic down and like, so Garrett, why did I pay a ticket fee? Like, what, what, what are we doing? Yeah. yeah, give me a show. That's it. Give exactly. me something. Well, it comes you can be the smallest fucking person, like, name-wise. Like, people may not know you. You get up there and you know your fucking song and you perform it with a little heart. You gotta perform it. You actually gotta. That's the thing too, because a lot of motherfuckers stand. And I'm dead ass serious when I say that. I saw a motherfucker. It was a group. uh, They were standing. Homeboy was rapping, and his homeboy was sitting there with his hands in his pocket, with his microphone in his hand, waiting on his turn to rap. And it was his turn to rap, and his homeboy did the same thing. Put his hand in his pocket. I'm like, that is not not stage presence at all. And they're yelling into the microphone, but it's like one at a time. We're gonna wall out one at a time. It wasn't like a show. It was just. Yeah. And then the perform I've seen it a million times back then, like the performers would get up and be rapping and then like a mic that didn't work. And that's what happens when you're not at like I always separate clubs from live music venues. And when this music this music wasn't allowed in a lot of the live music venues back in those yeah. early days, man. Like this just this took a lot of work. Yeah. And uh 
now that it's in the live music venues, they need to understand and learn how to perform there. Like, if you're in a club where the mic doesn't fucking work anyway, most of the time, and yeah. you're up there, they don't even have monitors, and you're just here. Yeah, it sucks. But now these dudes are going, like, House of Blues fucking lip syncing. Yeah. They got a fucking $5 million sound system in there and shit, man. Like... No, it's it's not okay. So I I personally walk out. Yeah. yeah. I don't watch rappers not rap. I don't do it. I walk outside. So. That's fair. I would. But it just can't. Uh, it happens too much now. Like it happens all the time. No, it's almost everyone, and it's kids who have a lot of energy. Performance. Huh? Like, I've watched designer. A no, he doesn't say a word. Yeah. He literally just <laughs> screams into the mic. He has like mic tricks he does. And then, like, yells a word, and then he's, like, he can't rap as fast as he actually raps in the song. Yeah, that's right. I was at the Painter Fort, hanging out with my guy Andy, and he, uh, I was just there, and, and Designer came on stage before Panda really hit big. It was just starting a few years ago. I didn't know what it was. I hate that kind of music. I think that's the lowest form of music ever, especially when you copy it and steal it from someone. Yeah. It's even worse. But, like, he was up there, and I was like, this motherfucker is just hopping around, man. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be. But the kids are so him. fucking dumb on Xanax. They're just sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. he's famous. That's how they're getting over. Basically, and we can talk about this too. Another problem with Houston is drugs and guys who can't fucking function. Yeah. And like, and it's it's happening. The the major labels now are basically the marketing department for the pharmaceutical industry. They're not even even in rock. Listen to the depressing ass alternative rock shit that's out there. Listen to what these labels are putting out. They're not putting out shit except little degenerates telling kids to do drugs. L- telling them it's prescription drugs. Like mushrooms and yeah. marijuana and things. Like, those are not that terrible if you know what you're doing. I had my like first those old pills? man moment with, with Lil Pump. Lil Pump, one of my friends, ha- ha- has a kid and he was like, he loves Lil Pump. What do you know about him? I was like... Honestly, I hate. Like I said, I felt like an old ass man because I listen to music I should have been listening to, but it wasn't coming from people around my age, especially you know, kids like 17 years old, you know, talking about Xanax and all those other crazy shit. I was like, honestly, I wouldn't let my son listen to it, but but that's not my son, you know. <laughs> I mean, they're gonna hear it because they have yeah. cell phones. And exactly. Shit. That's what it is, but the thing is, you have to instill in them how stupid it is. Mm-hmm. And like, as someone who has indulged in all kinds of drugs and enjoyed them, including Xanax and including. Coding cough syrup and all this other yeah. shit. I'm like, right now, I'm like, man, we need to like teach these kids that they're going way overboard with this shit. And the long term, like, the pharmaceutical industry is there to make you a slave. Yeah. The pharmaceutical industry pumps these drugs in you to destroy you. Oh yeah. And these kids, these rappers, rapping kids, are working for white people older than us. Yeah. Ten years older than me. So fucking Illuminati disgusting. They literally are it's interconnected. They're working for the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. These black young kids, there's some of them who are like, yeah, yeah, this is funny. I or yeah, I like this drug or blah blah blah, you know. But the ones who it's like the NFL, you don't get in the fucking NFL just because you're good. Like there's there's you know, point zero 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 one percent of the people who play football in the nation get in the NFL. It's the same with the major labels and even worse now. 
they they are working for these rappers that people are worshiping out here are working for the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical industry is there to destroy your brain. Yeah. Trump, I don't give a fuck if y'all like Trump. Fuck Trump. Oh, no, these guys are real big Trump. Yeah. That's because dummies are on drugs. Oh, That's yeah. because dummies are taking drugs that are rearranging their brains. That's what happened to America. Yeah. That's what's happening in this music. That's making sure this shit happens to you when you're 14, 15, so you don't have a fucking chance. And it's yeah. those artists that glorify it. Like, yeah, they probably do those drugs like they say they do, but probably not as much. Future admitted it. But then it's. Yeah. Yeah, Lil Wayne, you got, you got fucking Rick Ross, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought anything happened with Lil Wayne, like, today or something. I was just like, what? No, 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 no. But even then, like, you got people like Fredo. Fredo uh, Santana, he, he, he had, like, kidney he, kidney problems. Exactly. Yeah, too much syrup. No, um, pharmaceutical drugs, there's plenty of them that are going to keep you alive. Yeah. But these ones that rearrange your brains, these antidepressants, these, uh, and some people are genuinely depressed. I'm sorry, but most of the people taking these drugs aren't. Yeah. Someone might need Xanax. There are people out there who need it, for yeah. sure, in this world. I've never needed it. I've done it. Lots of people have done it. Not needed it, I don't yeah. fucking wake up and pop a Xanax. Yeah. And I've, I hate that you think that like, these 17-year-olds are doing that shit yeah. on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah. They get you, man. This is, this is very concentrated and focused what's going on in this business right now, man. And so when you come talk about Houston, or I said people didn't tour, this coding concert, I'm really sick of the fact that it's Why do you want to drink that? Yeah. So it's like, like this is happening, man. Like you can't go too far from home if you've got a prescription drug addiction. Yeah. Unless you have millions of dollars <laughs> to get anything you want anywhere you go, you can't. That's part of what held Houston back. And, and like you said, uh, you know, unless you have millions of dollars, you know, you can't really like afford to have that be a traveling habit. But then when you do have that money, it becomes a bigger problem. I feel like I, you know. Because then you got, then you then you want better drugs, you know, better better prescription drugs that that, that, that keep you going, you know, like the fucking Michael Jackson was on some shit, you know, everybody, every, yeah. with, oh. Prince. Can we please learn from these people? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, but we should, you know, it's fuck drugs. Let's talk about beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know where it's at? 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm about to use the bathroom You said what? I'm going to use the bathroom after. Oh, alrighty. We lost the stream there for a second, but we're back on. We lost the stream for a second, but we're back on. We're sitting here with Brent from okay, Eureka I Heights. I didn't actually know that that was there the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was over here scratching his ass. <laughs> he was over here scratching his ass. Just like kicking his nose. <laughs> some bit, uh, butts and seats. Um, yeah. So on Wednesdays, we'll do a trivia. Sometimes the Wednesday trivia will be general for, you know, uh, all those smart kids know a lot about everything. Uh, but for people like myself who are not that smart, we'll do theme trivia. Last night we did Friends. Uh, thank God we've kind of refined that down a bit. The first time we did Friends, uh, it was larger than our grand opening or our opening. Uh, you guys see this is 20,000 square feet. Yeah. There were people on their butts on the ground. Like it was, there was no seating available. Jesus. Yeah, it was bonkers. Uh, people like Friends. Apparently it, it went pretty well. <laughs> yeah. So we did round two, and uh, we refined our process last night. Uh, we had my homegirl, Wendy Jones, that I went to high school with. She plays guitar. She played Smelly Cat to open it up. There you go. I liked that a lot. Uh, she did awesome. <laughs> uh, Were you a big Friends fan? I do like Friends. I will say I mute the opening song. It's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, that just, like, that's like nails in a chocolate. Can you do that one more time into my phone for my ringtone? <laughs> some different theme kind of trivias. Thursday, which we're here tonight on a Thursday, we've got a, a run club at 6.15 called Laces Out. Uh, three different kind of routes, medium, uh, you know, intermediate, and then you you run too much to be drinking beer. And then uh, a yoga club, too, called Yoga and Hops, uh, which is a real cool crew that does uh, 20 bucks to yoga with other yoga people and a beer. So, and it's great that y'all do Mario Kart on like on Sunday because I can't I work on Sunday so yeah. I can't come and take everyone's spirit from them. Uh, so you yes. know, it, it, yeah. We check your schedule. Yeah, yeah. just in case. Yeah. But legally, I can't play Mario Kart in, in forty states, so, yeah. so I'm just too on damn good. On a twenty foot jumbotron. Uh, so we do uh, Mario Kart tournaments and then also Smash Brothers, which. Again, again, if, if, if I was off on a Sunday. You know who sucks, though, at Mario Kart? Who? This guy right here. One of the worst One of the worst people I've ever seen at Mario Kart, just in general. You haven't seen me play that. Oh, no, you probably beat him. You like We used to play drinking Mario Kart. You know, you got to stop, drink your beer. You got to finish your beer before you finish the race. You can't drink and drive, you know. So that also hindered his ability to be good at it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all around, you're just a terrible, terrible... Mario Kart player. Wasn't even being nice. You were just frustrated at some point. <laughs> and I'm excited. Tomorrow night we're doing uh, the Secret Group. Uh, that's a comedy club in town once a month. We they bring eight comedians over here and uh, break out the funnies, totally free of charge. Uh, we also have a bike club once a month where we start here and then roll off to some other uh, other bars and then come back through. So yeah, we're trying to do some fun stuff. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right, dude. Uh, that bastard. Uh, Fucking Bob. Speaking of Bob, did anyone else watch Stranger Things? Yes. No. All right, then I won't talk about it. One time for my man Bob. 
binging. That's how I felt. Well, you gotta have a little bit of something, a little bit of something, else, you know, a little alcohol. That's how I've been. Oh, you gotta have that, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just snack. The snack? Normally, anytime I've binged through a show, I've actually been dead sober. Like, I couldn't do that. Like, See? Well, no, because then you forget. Then you're like, oh, what, what happened in episode seven? <laughs> Into hour seven, I've had, you know, like, like 12 beer. <laughs> just, just out of here, like, wait, 11? I thought she was 12 now. <laughs> but I did I did binge all of Stranger Things in one night. One night. One night. Is that ten hours? Uh, just about right. It was nine episodes. Yeah. I think it took me about three days. <laughs> I took breaks. And it was crazy because like I had to work that day it came out, so I was like, oh, I'm at the Stranger Things, and someone was like, hey, can you work my shift this day and I'll take your day today? I was like. Fuck yeah, I'm going to watch Stranger Things all day. Had Chinese food and just sat there and watched it. Chinese food sounds so good. Don't tell me you watched it the first night. I did. You didn't watch the Astros? I did. No. What? I had the Astros going on my phone. I have watch ESPN right here. Because the only reason I know that is we had people come over that Friday night. Yeah. See, that was one of my problems. I had had my phone propped up right there. I had the head. Oh, here we go. We got Bob one more time. Uh, but yeah, I had my phone. I had my earphone in. And it was crazy, dude. You know, Stranger Things, sometimes it gets quiet. And then you got me with a fucking phone in my ear just going, yes! And everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, you scare everyone when everything's quiet. And then you're just screaming, you know? <laughs> so, at what age did you throw your first show? Was that over here or over there? In Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah? Damn. All right. And, and was that, like, how, how did that turn out for you as your first show? Like, because what, when, really? Yeah. So, better than your expectations? Like, you exceeded it or? We totally broke even. Um, it's kind of, it's a, I've told this story a million times. Like, it's a, uh, there's a band called the Laughing Hyenas. I don't know how much you guys are into, like, punk rock music, but there's a band when, before me, like, older yeah. than me, like, called Negative Approach. They were, like, the godfathers. They were the inventors of, like, hardcore. Detroit, the hardest fucking shit ever to this day. Like this band called Negative Approach. The singer's next band was called the Laughing Hyenas. And they were like this surreal fucking just tripped out. I saw them over for Sonic Youth the first yeah. time I saw them when I was 15. And they blew me away. I was like, damn, man, this is amazing. And so back in the day, before the internet and all this, um, he would order things on, uh, through the mail. Like, yeah. ordering records through the mail, especially in a city like Erie, that we had a cool record store, but even the record store had to order it, you know yeah. what I mean? So, we would, uh, I ordered some, I don't even remember what I ordered from the Laughing Hyenas, but in the order, I put a letter, and I was like, we didn't have a zine or anything, yeah. my boy and I were talking about doing a zine, so I wrote in the letter, I was like, yeah, we got a zine, and I'd love to interview you, man, you guys, and the dude sent a letter back with our, whatever record I ordered, or whatever. He's like, he sent me his home number. Yeah. John Brandon, my favorite 
favorite singer to this day, like the most raw fucking yeah. music ever. Y'all did a little phone interview or? No, listen, no. We're sitting in my house, me and my boy Mike are held, I'm holding this letter in my hand, I'm like, we got his phone number. A couple weeks before that or whenever, we went to see some, some local band, like where I'm from, it's like, it was, it was like metal cover band. Yeah. In, in like a church basement, like there was nothing for us to do, there was no original real music, especially for young people. And uh, so when we went to this, these older guys had a punk rock show, it was just three local bands, yeah. but it was all ages at a place where like Italian guys would play bocce, it was a straight up, uh, yeah. it was a straight up little just fucking room with a stage, and so we got, uh, we went to this show, there was a good amount of people there, and I saw the guy who owned the bar, and I was not, it wasn't a bar, it was just a room. Yeah. I was like, bar. hey man, if I can get some bands to come through here, like touring bands, you think we can book something here? Like, I was like, yeah. Right around the same time, this guy, after I ordered this records or whatever from John Brandon, yeah. from Laughing Hyenas, he wrote me back and put the number in there, and me and my boy Mike were like, man, we should book the Laughing Hyenas. And he, and Mike, I'm standing there with the phone, I'm with a piece of paper in my hand, Mike's like, just call him. I'm like, I can't call him. He's like, just Nervous. call him, man. It was nighttime, too. It was like, what's up, man? Saturday night. Yeah. It's like, he fucking gave me his number. I was like, yeah, for an interview. He's like, just fucking call him. I was like, hi, I'm Max. Um, you know, uh, I'd like to book you. Have you guys, you know, in Erie, Pennsylvania? Uh, he's like, yeah, man, well, we're going to be in that area in like April. I was like, oh, okay. And hung up that phone. I was like, I guess we're booking a show. And so I went down and I talked to the venue guy and he was like, yeah. And I'm like, like, do you have your sound? Do you have everything? I was like, what do you mean? You know, because if you don't book shows, you don't think about, like, you go to a concert venue, the speakers are there, the mic Yeah, everything's there, there for you. Yeah. You're not thinking about how that got there. Yeah. I wasn't, I was 16, you know, I wasn't thinking about how that got there. He's like, <laughs> oh, no, you have to rent this, you have to get somebody to run it, you have to rent it, for, and this is the guy to rent it from. Yeah. 150 bucks, you'll have his equipment and him run it. It's going to cost, like, 100 bucks for the venue. The Laughing Hyenas wanted 350 bucks. There's a band in Cleveland called Knife Dance that I still love. That was 150, and I gave this eerie band like 50 bucks called Lost. Yeah. Up, that was the first band I started touring with. The band called Lost. I wasn't in it. I was like the the booker and the manager. So you came up with the money yourself for all that stuff? Man, I fucking washed dishes and Mike. I don't remember what Mike's job was, but we both had similar like dishwashing jobs. Yeah. That's a lot of money to a 16-year-old. We booked the show like five months in advance, like four or five months. And, uh, but because I remember it was probably like December, and he was like, yeah, man, we're going to be around in April. So we had a lot of time to work with, but we saved up. We made sure that we had, I mean, as in a scenario, so we booked the show, right? Yeah. This dude was a friend of mine, and to this day, he like apologized to me like last year, and I was like, you don't have to apologize, but you basically prepared me for what the fucked up music industry is totally about. Yeah. What it's like, this dude called John Brandon, he knew him some, he was older than me, and he was like, man, you know you're working with some kids here, man, like this yeah. dude's a kid, he's never booked a show before, and John Brandon was like, calls me, he's like, hey man, what's going on, they told me you're a kid, I was like, first of all, you know I'm a kid. Hey, do you not hear my voice? <laughs> I, I, no, but I follow, I've been, I was like five shows, Yeah. You know, I've seen him a bunch before that, you know, I was like, first of all, you know I'm a kid, and second of all, it's, we have your $350, for sure, no matter what happens, you're going to get paid, so, Yeah. That's um, all that matters. And I was like, nothing, it's going to be great. And he, he was like, all right, cool. And then the band, I 
put this one band that I liked, I saw them on that show I was talking about. Yeah. The guys that put that show on were like the OGs of the scene. Man, I didn't know them. They didn't know me. They just heard that somebody was booking a punk rock show at the place that they had come. They pioneered that place, yeah. honestly, and they did. And I didn't ask them because they didn't fit. They were more like traditional, da 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 Yeah. Like, 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 were not like that. And just because they didn't fit that show, I didn't put them on there. Man, everybody was like, man, those dudes are going to kick your fucking ass. They're going to kill you. They yeah. They were all mad, like, mad at me, and I was like, I was a kid. And I was like, well, I remember I was in my room. I had a phone in my room. The phone rang, and I answered, and it was like, good, man. It's just Matt. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah. I'll, basically, basically saying I was like stepping on their toes, yeah. talking tough. And I'm like, look here, man. If this fucking show works, we want to do more of this. We're doing this so we have something to do. You know, yeah. I don't think you fit with the laughing. I have to explain it. I was like, you don't fit with the laughing. <laughs> I'm not trying to take your territory. Yeah. Yeah. up and go yeah hours. go two hours out of out of state or. I would drive her for some real shit. for two hours yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I totally has to be a good show though no, 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 I want them to be into this sort of thing so I would it's gonna be panda like, you good with it yeah. oh no Does I would definitely would not drive them to that I would ground them for like such a piece of but well, that's what's amazing is like if you have that love for it and you try to bring it you're just like I'll do whatever whatever means it takes I'll yeah. book the damn thing like that's how you know that's that's OG right there that you yeah. want to see something happen and that's how Houston built up like you were saying earlier like you take that initiative like I'm gonna grab the camera I'm gonna make a blog I'm yeah. gonna book I'm gonna you know coordinate all that kind of stuff so that's that's so, freaking awesome yeah, so we did shows that whole summer I booked no effects and I paid no effects sixty dollars. Gets $60,000 yeah. for some of their shows. You know, like they're big as fuck. You know, um, and I'm not proud of the fact that I gave them $60, but they, then the guys that they're were they were on tour with, this is 89, this is 1989. Yeah. And they were out there, somebody called me, they, we were on like the circuit of, of shows, like within a few months. And they were like, yeah, they, we, we booked them on like a Tuesday night in the middle of the summer. I told the guy, I was like, look, man, this is eerie. Yeah. I can't make you a guarantee. I'll give you the door. That's it. And it was no effects in the AGs. No effects got 60 bucks. The AGs got 40. And whatever we paid our sound man at the time got that. That's what we made at the door. That's how it was. I didn't make a penny. Yeah. But like, that's what it was about, man. It was kind of like, that's what I'm saying about going to fucking Thailand. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I was in Erie, Pennsylvania, bored as shit. I could have been huffing paint. I have friends that, you know, talk about these kids on Xanax. Yeah. Yeah. 
in 12th grade. He was like, done. So, you talk? Yeah. You bring up a lot, like, so far we've brought up a lot of, like, punk rock and stuff like that. When exactly did you get into hip-hop? Great question. That's funny, because, like, that question doesn't get asked as much anymore, because there's so many, like, black kids, and everybody loves hip-hop. Yeah. Like I said, soccer moms fucking listen to hip-hop, man. It is what it is. Like, I was telling <laughs> Lowrider you, is, is rap for moms. <laughs> Are you familiar with the Pennsylvania area? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's it do? I always say, like, I've not heard, like, anybody. My mom would listen to Super Soul Saturday on the college station, the first station I had a radio show on, WRG and Erie, when I was a kid. That's to this day, and it's still the exact same format. They play hip-hop from, like, 3 to 3.30 to this day. To this day, I'm talking about the 70s. Yeah. Nothing's changed. And, uh... Yeah. And so I, back in the day when I was a kid, I would be at my house and with black friends in my neighborhood who were into like, you know, funk and soul, we'd be listening to Pink Floyd, yeah. rapping along to the wall, uh, and then we would put in Grandmaster Flash, and then we would hear like, it was like, it was nothing, like rock yeah. and rap, like it was nothing to us. And when I say that, I'm talking about seven years old, like, yeah. eight years old, and I remember this shit, man. Like, But then... Say like when rap first started, like with okay, fine, the purest know, purest know the the history. But for the average person in the world, rappers delight was it? That's all there is to it. That was the song that hit us, you know. So from rappers delight to like the beginning parts, so I was like, yeah, this is great. But then it was way more. Yeah. You know, Curtis Blow and shit like that. All this. If you were, if you knew, but if you weren't. From New York, we didn't have the fucking internet. You know? Yeah. So it wasn't like that. So everybody in my neighborhood was like, I'll be sure. R&B type. Yeah. Hip hop y stuff. Because there was cornball, like, not to say he was talented, okay, fine, but like, there was cornball fucking <laughs> shit happening in hip hop from day two. I didn't like it. I'm a rock and roll motherfucker. Yeah. Honestly, who loves music? I love jazz. I love blues. I love rap. I love Nigerian music. I love Afrobeat. You know, I love yeah. all that shit. Loved it right in the beginning. Didn't love it that much at first. Yeah. After, after being like, damn, this is dope. And I was like, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. But then Run DMC. Yeah. I mean, for my age and who I am, yeah. for sure Run DMC. And then the BC, honestly, when the BC, I've always hated on white rappers until they prove themselves. Yeah. And uh, I 
love the Beastie Boys. I loved them back then, but not immediately. When I saw Fight for Your Right to Party, I didn't have the fucking... I probably wouldn't have liked Cookie Chris anyway yeah. at that age. And, uh, you know, Holding Now Hit It is one of my favorite songs ever. That was their first single, fucking jam. but Holding Now Hit It didn't hit. So I heard Run DMC, and then I heard Fight for Your Right to Party. And I was like, how the fuck is it... Is this even acceptable? I was a kid, kid. I was a young kid. Yeah. Analyzing this shit back then. I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, and then you heard the album. And it was like, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're dope. They're great. And the Beastie Boys are a fucking musical force. They were a great group. Started out as a rock band. Thank God for the Beastie Boys. But, <laughs> so yeah, Run MC made me dig even deeper into, you know, Curtis Blow and all the other shit that was great back then. And that's how I got into it. Houston rap, but I know this is, I can tell you straight up, but Houston, how I found out about Houston in 1980. Yeah. And so, I've been coming here a lot, but like, I saw like Van Halen at the summit at Joe Osteen's place. Yeah. I saw them, I saw them on the 1984 tour. Yeah. I saw, like, I would come down here like the whole summer, because, you know, from my dad, but also because my dad would take me to see shit like Van Halen. Yeah. You know? like, that shit was happening down here. I saw Blue Oyster Club at Astro World. There we go. You know what I mean? Like, saw some crazy ass shit coming down here. So that was my experience. And I had a friend, and then when the Axiom first opened, I was 14, and my dad would drop me off there. And I was seeing rock shows, local punk rock shows. I met this dude named this venue? The Axiom. Axiom, okay. Compass Stadium, BBVA Compass Stadium, in that area. But uh, that area was way different. Oh my god, that shit was wrong. <laughs> attack you in the street trying to go to the punk rock show. Like red brick, like just stray dog ass shit. Nothing Anyways, more punk rock than getting rabies. Yeah. So we, uh, uh, I knew about all that, but uh, I, I feel like it was, I, I feel like in the minor notes of Yelbon Rush the show and It Takes a Nation of Millions, it was, they, they listed a bunch of people, but for sure in It Takes a Nation of Millions, the vinyl, the liner notes was like thank yous and it had all these like people in their cities and it said get a voice he's in Texas and I read like every fucking little mini, mini, minuscule word on this yeah. who thinks the get a voice public enemy oh okay this is you know definitely only takes a minute I think if on one rush to show they might have but on it takes a nation of and I was like reading this list it had like from Chicago this that and I'm like are these games yeah That's how they, yeah. And my boy, probably late 88, 89, was like, man, he's a, like a heavy metal dude, my boy Carl, from here in Houston. He was like, if you like NWA, you're gonna like the Ghetto Boys, they're a rap group in Houston. And I was like, the Ghetto Boys from Houston? What? And I remember looking back at that Public Enemy album, being like, yeah. Public Enemy, thank them, man. <laughs> he's like, yeah, and I got down here and got the tape. Yeah. And coming, that was my first um, uh, introduction to Houston rap. Yeah. And then when I first moved here in 89, I didn't know anybody hardly. I knew Carl and a couple of people. But I mostly, when I came down here in the summers, I stayed with my dad and I would like swim in the pool or like ride my bike to the flea market or downtown, or which was way different back then, or uh, just be around. 
yeah. Wasn't going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not to, I went to yeah. the fifth war rap show by myself at two in the fucking morning. Like, I didn't know it before I went. And then I went that one time. I went every fucking morning. Yeah, yeah, it was over. I learned <laughs> that those shows were always going to be late. I would go to the Axiom or Numbers or some punk rock show, get out of there at one, drive out there, and still see the fucking rap show at two. How about that? Literally. Literally. Holy cow. By myself. <laughs> Numbers are still putting out some punk shows too. Yeah. You talk about passion, like, what the hell? Like, that's what's up right there. Yes, sir. Hell. But, it, but, it, but, it, but, it, but you just have to do it. Like, just like, I always say that, that story about me booking the laughing hyenas. That was a huge lesson in my life because I was sitting there with that piece of paper, like, I can't call this dude. Yeah. Are you kidding me? This dude's gonna clown me, man. I made the call and it fucking happened. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know a person. I went, I had fun. It was, I didn't even have blood. I saw a great show. Like, I just stood there and waited because I couldn't drink. Yeah. I didn't know anyone. I stood there for hours, not having fun. <laughs> before the, before the payoff. Fuck you! And no one else I knew saw that shit. <laughs> Those are the best shows. It's also hard, too. Like, you can't share, like, the passion. You're like, oh my god, I just saw this cool thing. And you talk to, you, you won't understand. You don't know what it is. 
It's like, like in 2012, uh, Black Star came to Houston, House of Blues. I like, man, I, I gotta go fucking see that. Nobody I knew wanted to see Black Star, and I read the reviews. They're like, it was it was great. You know, there was like 50 people, not not a young crowd. Everyone was educated. It was a good time. I was like, fuck, I wish I was at that Black Star show. Like, even if I didn't know anyone, like I should have went to that fucking Black Star show. Cause to this day, I wish I went to the fucking Black Star show. He's yeah. That's absolutely true. You're the fan they're looking for anyway. It's like, if you're yeah. going to go by yourself, do whatever, it's because you're their audience. Yeah. You care, you want it. I went and saw Earl Sweatshirt by myself one time because everybody had fantasy football drafts and other bullshit excuses. I was tired or something. I remember this. <laughs> he ran me up. concerts I've ever been to. There you go. And you went by yourself. I probably wouldn't have been as special if I wasn't so busy that day. <laughs> and people keep walking by the camera. So, wrap it up. Let's wrap it up, B. You got any plugs? Plugs? You got shows coming up? Uh, going overseas. Pushermania.com or at Pushermania on any of the um, social medias. Europe, if you're listening to Europe, look out. Uh, we'll post the dates in the next couple of days. We've got like two more shows that we're going to confirm hopefully tomorrow. Then we can announce the Devin the Dude European Tour, the Holidays Tour. Happening just November 30th to December 17th. Excuse me. I know we're doing Brussels, Berlin, Leipzig, Weinheim, Hamburg, Vilnius, Lithuania, Helsinki, Tampere, and Olu. Olu's in the Arctic Circle. We're going to the Arctic Circle. In the there we go. Devin's <laughs> performed the last tour Devin did here. Did two shows in the fucking Arctic Circle. Yeah. No Hopefully we're gonna confirm Warsaw and Oslo tomorrow. That's happening in December. Uh, other than that, man, I just do, you know, I'm for hire, man. Let's go. There we go. I like to do work. I like to do different things all the time, different events. If we can tie some music into something, bring music to enhance your event, let's do it. Yeah, it's a bad. And uh, Brent, we didn't really talk to you, man. Uh, but and that's totally fine. Uh, I want to thank you guys, Southside Collection. Last time I was on the podcast, I kind of hijacked it with too much dialogue. What? It's I never wanna, too much dialogue. I want to thank you again because I hijacked it because I specifically want to get a microphone on Matt Sanzala. Yes, like, sir. This is all I wanted to do really was to hear this you kind of stuff. all the trouble of getting in, like getting in touch with him and everything. And, and, and the it, last two weeks, he's done all the legwork for our podcast. And, 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 and that's one of those things that when people ask me, like, like you know, how are the people that you meet doing this podcast? Uh, the people are fucking great, and then, like, there's the people that, like, are greater. <laughs> and the people at Eureka Heights are fucking greater. This is a great brewery. I've enjoyed the beers. I definitely need one more cream ale before we wrap it up. But I want Yeah. She was documented. Bring these artists on. I don't care what kind of music. I don't care if they're painters. I don't care. Like Houston is not LA. It's not New York. It's not London. It's not Tokyo. It's not anything of a media uh, centric. It's not in their eyes. It's every place, man. We need you to do this. It's all there's to it. Your part, what you're doing is a big thing. It's, if it's small, even, I appreciate that. It's still big in the bigger picture, man. Like, someone who gives a fuck about this music. 
next wave. There's nothing going on in Houston right now on a big scale. Yeah. Sorry, people might be pissing me for saying that. It's not. A lot of dumbasses, man. There's a lot of dumbasses in control. The radio station's fucking horrible. There's like... I'm fucking 45 years old. A bunch of people my age are still keeping their hands on this shit. I'm always going to keep my hands on this shit to an extent. But there's a lot of dumbasses who still have their hands on that shit that are blocking real things from happening, that don't have taste, that don't go out there and seek out music anymore, but still they're somehow in this shit. Yeah. It's important for young people. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, but I was a good old boy show in 1989. <laughs> Y'all are like, yeah, I'm still an Earl sweatshirt. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. 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 For sure. That's literally what we're here for, man. I appreciate you. Southside, SouthsideCollection.com for all of the merchandise, hats, shirts, uh, podcasts. You'll see. Appreciate. I think we got a couple on there. Hey. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. That drink on me heavy. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. Them pills can get heavy. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. That 42 heavy. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. It's never lacking. Bust a package, bills can get paid off a rabbit. Still a kid you trapping, used to hundred second. Now I fuck an actress. Shit, I'm just thinking how it happened. Had to get explicit, had to make it listen. Moving out the pounds, niggas started snitching, loading up the rounds. Niggas started missing, moving out of town and Tommy cruised the mission. Converse my addictions. Don't talk, just listen. Five drugs that I'm mixing. Money the only thing on my vision. Infatuated with them semi-somatics All of my niggas is stuck with some habits Like when my TV, we been with the static I fuck on this bitch and sensation from Mathis Overgated, so I'm demonstrating my emotionless Got some real niggas quoting this Got your main bitch hoaxing Lost a few things since I'm racing Life anything but decent Pulling re up on my teeth It's the only time you catch me cheesing I just like Houston I just left Earth Lean on my car Gas in my blunt Got some hoes who gon' fuck I'm still pouring up I can see in his face Design on my waist Now you all on her face That hoe give me face That hoe give me faith Damn, that hoe give me faith Shipping that pack in this vacuum seal. 30 on 40, keep that concealed. Just bought a pint, I'ma crack the seal. Strap on my side like a Navy seal. 
Three in the morning, we trapping still. Mad black on Rover, the Batmobile. Don't trust that nigga, cause he gon' squeal. Not buying shit if the pack not sealed. I'm faded, I'm faded, I'm Zannies, I'm wasted. My bitches, they nasty, they suck it and taste it. I'm short on my patience, I'm serving my patience. I'm very impatient, little bitch, come get naked. Pack coming in, but I don't need to weigh it. Chopper and whoop, I shoot one inch spraying. Can't come in my trap, the front door is gated. My price is inflated, my plug name is David. Dripping through the city, got a little bitch and baby O's. Fuck me on spot, cause she heard me on the radio. Three bitches running me, that's a perfect ratio. Don't wanna fuck the hoe, I just want fellatio. Let her play with the nut, put it in a booty hole. Pop a cup of pills and I beat it like a stereo. Stuff curved backwards, round around merry go. Cup need the oil change, active as I let her pole. Hit a stain, hogging lane, gripping grain, getting throw. Leave your brains on the grain, you another John Doe. No hose bars, when you see me, I'ma let it go. No bold guards, so we rolling out the fonto. No more guards, cause we rolling out the fonto. I'm an ace child, nigga, and I can never go. I just let Houston. I just left Earth. Lean on my car, gas in my blunt. Got some hoes who gon' fuck. I'm still pouring up, I can see in his face. Design on my waist. Now you all on her face. That hoe give me face. That hoe give me faith. Damn, that hoe give me faith. Fetty on Fetty on Fetty. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. Fetty on Fetty on Fetty. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. Fetty on Fetty. I just like Houston. I just love Earth. I just like Houston. I just love Earth. I just like Houston. I just love Earth. I can't go in, I ain't ready. I can't go in, I ain't ready. Fetty on Fetty.